good to see everyone. Actually, to, I mean, actually see everyone is uh, certainly one of the, the best things that we've got today is to be able to come and actually be together as the body of Christ. I'm super excited. It's almost like a, a brand new church, to be honest with you. Um, if you will, find Ruth. You can't hear me? Okay, can you hear me now? Awesome. Okay, um, let's find Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, please, of Ruth chapter 3. Uh, in verse 11, uh, the book of Ruth says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Uh, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to come, Lord and to share this message, Father. Father God, I pray that, that my heart's clear, Father God. There's a lot going on today. It hasn't been, God, the, uh, a peaceful morning, Father, but I know, Lord, that you are going to bring a peace, God, that my heart cannot muster because of maturity. I pray, Father God, that I can focus on the word that I have to preach at this time, Father God, that I can do that to the best of my ability, Father God, that you're gospel will shine through, Father, and that your people uh, will be edified, Father God. You will be ultimately glorified. And that, Father God, I pray, Lord, that there's a people out there, God, hearing me now that needs you desperately, Father God, that needs to be conquered by the gospel. And they will hear it now, Father God, and be conquered by it. Lord, I love you, God. In the name of Christ, I pray, Father. Amen. Um, you know, Boaz, in this passage from Ruth, promises Ruth that uh, a, a very great promise. He says that, that tells her not to fear, first off, and he says, I'll do all for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. It's a, it's a time in which, which Boaz promises to a woman that at one time he would redeem, and that is uh, he would redeem Ruth. Um, at the same time, it's a promise recorded within Scripture for all of us. It's a promise in which as a, as a mother today on Mother's Day, you can absolutely be sure that the one who is promising to you today, not myself, but Almighty God promises that all those things that you would ask in prayer that you desperately need, those things are going to be answered. I'm not promising that every single prayer will be answered. We're going to look at that idea, but what you need will be given. That's a, a wonderful promise, a promise of prayer that we all need to be reminded of. You know, our Lord promises today to meet the needs of mothers as well as the needs of fathers. The families which compose the chosen uh, people of, of the church. Uh, for the mothers gathered, your faith is the sustaining element of your life which drives away um, all the things that you have to face. And, and I just characterize them myself as the madness of anxiety and depression. Mothers go through those things. Rescues you from the darkness of despair and enables you to stand and face the everyday onslaughts that are part of your life. Everyday moms and dads um, in, the, the, in this, this church and in those gathered today and also those who are listening in other ways, every day you face things that, to be honest with you, um, you don't have answers to. You don't know where to turn or what to do at that time. But the fact of the matter is that God is going to give you the power to face those things. Paul describes the promise to the believers more completely when he writes in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 4-9. through 9. 
He writes this. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 9. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Look, through the riches of His infinite grace, our Lord and Savior promises to give you today, mothers and fathers especially, the words to say and the willingness to say what must be said. Uh, for me, of all the promises that we're going to look at today, I think that's the most precious promise. The idea that so often in our lives, we are brought to a moment of need, not of, of provision in some way. Let's be honest, the provision that we crave or are torn up about today passes without notice tomorrow. The things that will tear up our hearts today in a material way, in a way of provision, we won't even think about tomorrow. Those things are gone a year from now or two years from now or ten years from now. A blink of an eye, to be honest with you, in the life of, of all of us, those things are just gone. Who really remembers the bills that you struggled to pay 20 years ago? Nobody does. Nobody does. There are new problems for today like that. But the one thing that I think will we'll grab a hold of the heart of the believing father and believing mother more than anything else is when we're brought to that point that we know we've got to say something. And we just don't know what to say. We know we have to make a stand. And we're not sure even how to make that stand. And that the promise here is that we're going to have, be enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. So that God will give us the words and He will give us the knowledge that inspires those words. Well, I need that. And I know you do too. The, willing, the words to say and the very willingness to say what must be said. He also gives us a life which confirms and does not deny the gospel message. The testimony of Christ confirmed among you. Hey, look, just because some of us are getting a little bit older, it doesn't mean that somehow we've defeated the enemy's sin. It doesn't mean that somehow we, are, we live lives of such extreme holiness that we never have to worry about anyone doubting who we are. The fact of the matter is, the older you get, I think, the more present sin is and not the less. It's more insidious. It's more covered. You fall into it more easily because you don't see it as sin. The sins of youth are obvious. The sins of, of those of us who are more mature are more, uh, are more hidden and coercive. But that God promises He'll give us a, a living testimony. A, a, a life testimony that is not contradictory of the gospel message, but is complementary to the gospel message. So that when we speak the words He's given us, the willing, uh, speak those words willingly, that when we do that, we know that our lives are not a contradiction. 
that He's blessing us to live out what we believe. Every gift that is necessary for you to serve Christ by raising generations of godly people. And I wanted to focus on that at being Mother's Day. Let's focus on that. He promises every gift so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of your Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are gifts that aren't stated. The gifts that, that might be particular to the individual. And He promises the fulfillment of those gifts. That we're not going to do without something that is necessary. And I added, just in my notes, for mothers and fathers who surrender to Christ will not fail by His standard. That as we do everything we can to raise generations of followers of Christ. Because it's not just enough for me to embrace the truth, but I want to raise children that embrace the truth. I want to raise a family that lives according to the truth. For me to do that, for me to not fail by His standard, He has to intervene for me and He promises to do that. The sustaining power of Christ in your life so that you may go to your Lord Without guilt. That's another thing. I'm, I think maybe sometimes we think that guilt is a, is a young person's thing. I feel guilty of every wasted moment in parenting. I feel guilty of those years in which I didn't serve them. I feel guilty of those times in which I wasn't bold enough. I feel guilty about almost everything. And the reality is this, is that guilt is something that grows in us. Something we are more, as we get older, craving deliverance from than maybe anything else. He promises a, a, a deep feeling of justification within us. All this, the impact of the infinite faith on the finite life. This infinite faith in Jesus Christ that spans the ages and will go all the way to the far reaches of time. This infinite faith in Christ Jesus has a very profound effect on the finite life that we're living right now. It's all yours. Because the God who called you into fellowship with Christ Jesus by His blood and His gospel is and always will be faithful. What we speak about today is not a measure of what you can do, but a measure of the faithfulness of the God to which we pray and cry out today. We cry out to a God that is more faithful than our ability to be faithful in response. Who is faithful in response to our lack of faith. So, so if this is the God, if this is the faith that we talk about, if this is the great promise of faith in which we're discussing today, what should we do in response? As human beings, as the church, as mothers and fathers, as a family, what should we do? First and foremost, hold on to the gift of faith. Make faith an enormous priority in your life. We've got to stop focusing our hearts and our minds and our lives on things that absolutely do not matter at all. It's why the church is so pitifully poor at the time. It's because we've raised generations of people that care about everything else in the world but those things that will build up their faith. We've practiced that in front of people. We've done that. That's who we are. So what do we do? Hold on to the gift of faith as if it's the most precious thing in the world because it is wrought of God in your heart and it is absolutely precious. Because we approach the, the idea of, of promises or promise of faith 
We should take a moment and speak of the action for which the promises of God are its fuel. And that's prayer. Prayer is vital. First of all, we're talking about prayer in so many ways that we'll never meet in which we don't really talk about prayer. In the, in the church gathered today are a number of mothers, and I said this and just to, as a note to myself, many the most ardent warriors of the church. You know, fathers oftentimes can worry about the more esoteric matters, whether the tires are bald or the roof is, is too old or, or how to afford something that we believe we need. We can do that. We can concentrate on those things. I just tell you this much, having lived with one and having counseled and served with and loved so many others, oftentimes a mother's heart is drawn to the most basic issues. Is my child following Christ? Are my children faithful? Simply put, are my children saved? How many mothers pray those difficult prayers? In the dead of night, is my child who he or she should be? Those are the prayer, the, the prayers of, of our warriors. Without praying, supplicating, petitioning mothers. Many of us would have not heard the good news. There are many people, there are mothers in attendance right now who prayed and prayed and prayed for your child to hear the good news of Christ Jesus. It was a daily prayer. It was many times a day. You prayed that. There's a, the vitality of prayer is in praying for salvation. Praying to see our loved ones come to Christ Jesus. That good news which saved our souls. They interceded by the will of God on behalf of our dying and condemned souls. Their prayers, the prayers of mothers and fathers, evangelize the entire world. The prayers of mothers and fathers reach out with the truth to the world. However, Many a troubled mother cries out for mercies that are apparently withheld. Many mothers have prayed and prayed and prayed prayers that they haven't seen answered. And, and they're desperate for those answers. Look, Lewis Smeeds described a real-life prayer journey. When, when he, he said this, he said, I admit that, I've often, that I often have to hold on to faith by my fingernails. Some of us can, can sympathize can understand that statement. When people I dearly love are in trouble, I sometimes pray for them and then walk away with no real hope that God will actually do something for them. Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe I have watched too many people get stuck in the groove of tragedy with no relief from God that I could see. In any case, I still have to pray for faith in God before I get back my hope for others or myself. Smeets confesses the fact that, that he has prayed prayers himself and been with others who prayed prayers and he's, he's felt like they were, they were thwarted somehow. They didn't come true and that people were discouraged by that. Discouraged. The idea that we believe and we preach so soundly that prayer is an encouragement to the heart, and then we realize that when you pray those 
very, very desperate prayers, what you really want is to see them acknowledged and answered right before your eyes. How many of us have, have courage to pray prayers that we won't live to see answered? Pray prayers that we want draw enough breath to see realized. Look, the call from God to hold on to faith in the midst of tribulation, it's clearly stated in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Believing mothers and believing fathers insist on holding on to the faith which sustains them because the God of our salvation is faithful beyond measure. And He showers us with insurmountable mercy. We pray because we know even though we don't see directly in front of us, we absolutely know that God hears and that God answers prayers. He answers them within the power of His will and within the timing of His sovereignty. We know that. But we know that He answers them. Jeremiah proclaims this type of God in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, when he says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The God to whom we cry. The Savior who suffered and died for our sins to set us free from bondage. The loving Father who sustains us daily though we never realize His, intent, His intervention offers to a condemned world today the key to unceasing love, unending mercy, and the infinite faithfulness of the Lord. We don't proclaim a God that doesn't hear prayer. We proclaim a God that, that we don't proclaim a God that is indifferent or impotent when it comes to our troubles. We proclaim a God today that hears every single prayer and answers them. And you can trust that. Not just because you have seen, but because you have heard and because you have believed. You did not believe your eyes. You believe the words of the gospel, and that has made all the difference. So today when we, when we pray, if it feels like a prayer goes unanswered, understand this, God is not deaf to your plot. God hears. All this faithfulness, the great faithfulness of the living God is given to undeserved wretches like us by the glory of the gospel. That's how we receive it. We need to learn the power of prayer and use that prayer. You know, nevertheless, one fact is undeniable. Christians, including mothers, pray constantly for legitimate matters and acts of mercy, which are not an element of the decreed will of God. For that reason, our prayers feel thwarted sometimes. Our hearts are broken, and there are times in which even our confidence is shattered. No one really understands or accepts the fact that prayer, the vehicle of our influence upon the will of God, is just as subject to His authority as anything else could be. We pray 
legitimate prayers that are not part of the plan of God. Because even our prayers are subject to His authority. Biblically, the response by the heart that prays to prayer, which is contrary to the will of God, is expressed by Jesus in Luke 22.42. He prayed the exact same kind of prayer. He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He prayed to avoid suffering. A legitimate request by anyone. But yet he submitted himself to the will of God. As our prayers must be submitted to the will of God. Jesus himself prayed a defied prayer with an undefiant heart. Our Lord models for us the attitude and the acceptance which must infiltrate each Christian's daily prayers. As believers, we pray for matters which are dear to our hearts. There's not a person here that is not praying prayers that, to be honest with you, are not absolutely legitimate and absolutely dear to who you are. And we see them overwhelmed by the overall good of the sovereignty of the Lord. That we must accept the fact that I can pray a good prayer, but that my Lord has a greater good. He has a more perfect good than I'm capable of praying or understanding. And then what do we do? Our response is to scramble to shore up our faith with more prayer and petition to Christ to see us through the challenges. As James outlines for us in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. What's wonderful about what James says is that prayer is interwoven with the overall spiritual and physical well-being of the whole church. That your prayers right now are not just vital for your family and don't limit them to your family. Your prayers right now are vital for your family and vital for the church as a whole. The church needs your prayer. We need to be together, united in prayer. We need to see, as we spoke about in Sunday school this morning, the idea of a prayer, of a revival of prayer that leads to a revival within the church. It begins with prayer always. Confession and healing, individually and corporately, are part of the reason for prayer and a demonstration of the powerful relationship between the Christian and their Savior. Look, although our prayers are subject to God's divine plan, which was formulated before the foundation of the earth, we're also still taught through this verse, and don't miss it, the importance and the impact of individual prayers and church-wide praying. Just because God's will is perfect, and assured, it doesn't mean that we stop praying and just embrace the will of God. God wants us praying. Even if we know that the ultimate decision lies with the with our sovereign Lord. Promise to us through this verse is that prayer is a great power. Alongside sovereignty, God is very clear to us that prayer is power. It is not powerless, but it is powerful. We must struggle to comprehend the relationship 
between decree and prayer, which is not counterproductive, but a necessary part of the expressed will of God for His people. You praying, even when God has different, more perfect plans, is not beside the will of God, but, but in line with the will of God. Our prayers are part of God's will for His people. They're an active component of the will of God in bringing blessing and healing to the covenant people. If we're not praying, we're not taking part in the sovereign will of God for First Baptist Church, for those we dearly love, for our family. Christian prayers promote the good of the kingdom, bring the saving message to lost ears, and fulfill the great commission from the prayer closet. We are missionaries of the Word of God from our prayer closet without actually going anywhere. It doesn't mean that going somewhere is not necessary. Going somewhere is the highest privilege and the greatest honor and the most precious commandment. There's no doubt about that. But understand this much, that before we ever go, we pray. And that while praying, if you're unable physically to go anywhere, the fact of the matter is your prayers can reach around the world. Your prayers, your prayers are sending the gospel to lost lives. By nature, Christian prayers are evangelistic and they are missional. Service reflecting and they are oriented toward beneficence. They help us. They do for the poor and they also bring the message to the lost. Finally, fulfill the great promise of saving faith. There's one command concerning the promise of faith. is fulfill the promise of saving faith. Today only one thing remains to speak of. And that issue is as rock solid as every matter we have discussed. There is no shifting sand. There are no shadows in this. Some are alien to the truth which is declared at this time. There are some who cry out unheard prayers. Not because... God is deaf, but because your heart is empty. Because your heart does not belong to the living God. Although they seem all right, they certainly are not all right. They're strangers to the promises of God. They hope for a miracle of incompetence that will never come. Somehow they hope that they can slide by without surrendering their life and their heart and their mind to the living God, without truly embracing their incompetence and the infinite competence of Christ Jesus to save their souls. They hope that somehow they can escape a sure fate. As Elihu says in Job 34 verse 22, there is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. There is absolutely no hope of escape. The inevitability of the coming judgment is as sure as the rising and setting of the sun and as constant as the steady advance of time. The day will come when the promises for the church are revealed and realized. We declare the cross of Jesus Christ, the shed blood, the gospel, the power to save, and the need for repentance today because there are people right now hearing this that do not know Christ 
as Savior and Lord. And I can ask this, can each of us say with certainty that Christ Jesus efficiently died for our sins as the Scriptures teach? If not, if not with certainty, then the answer lies of all places in prayer. A single prayer. Not just any and certainly not a prayer that you can repeat as some sort of superstitious mantra. I can't tell you, pray with me, pray this. And that is the answer. There is no such superstitious prayer that will do what the Gospel demands. David describes the sinner's response to the Gospel message when he wrote in Psalm 28, verse 2, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to You for help, when I lift up my hands toward Your most holy sanctuary. What does God desire to hear today from a lost sinner? A plea for mercy. A cry out. The reckless abandonment of a brand new faith that says it knows it cannot find its own way in the darkness to the light. The declaration of the blind who knows they can who know of the blind one who knows he or she cannot see. Time when someone would look up and say, God, I know that my incompetence is everything and that I know nothing. Please, God, please save me. With your heart, cry out to the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. Please repent of your sin and believe His precious Gospel that you might live and not die eternally. There's the end, the final product of that great faith. And that is a faith that saves. And I pray that you would find that faith today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You for the opportunity to come, Lord, and to share this message. Father, I pray, God, that I have preached it rightly, Father God, that I have not... Uh, turn my back on the truth, Father God, and despite every God thing, thing that's going on today, so wonderful, Father God, to be together in the midst of this Mother's Day, Father God. But Father God, I pray right now, more than anything else, Lord, that You, Father God, would save souls today in a way that only You can. Only You can beckon, as Boaz beckoned to Ruth, Father God. Only You can draw, Father God, as You drew Paul on the Damascus Road. Only You can do these things, Father God. We are unable. But Father God, I pray, Lord, and I thank You that You've given us the Gospel. That You've given us, Father God, the ability to cry out to You for mercy, Father God. To repent of our sins, Father God. And a truth to believe that will save our souls. I thank You for that, Father God. I pray, Lord, for those who do not know You, Father God, that gloriously and wondrously, Father God, they might find You today. In the name of Christ Jesus, Father God, I humbly pray. Amen. Thank You all so much.